You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast, loaded up today. We'll take a look at the top receivers in the conference, also LSU with a commitment and a transfer to Mississippi State. We'll go around the country with a look at West Virginia, a recruiting report as always. Chris will give you his thoughts on where the top prospects in the nation will end up. So we get to that. But first, I got to tell you, man, you have a great opportunity to save money on fantastic, high-quality shirts. Just go to Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. Use the promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, and you get $25 off. So if you want to bundle four shirts together, there's $55 a piece, $25 off. You're restocking your wardrobe for less than $200. How awesome is that? And we're talking about a century-old family manufacturing business. So check them out. Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. Well, let's get rolling with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. And we start with the top receivers in the SEC. Some pretty good ones, needless to say, Chris. There's no question about it, and I want to put this in perspective nationally, how I would look at them, because I do think the top receiving core um, in the SEC is Alabama. I think they're also, from a size, speed, and depth standpoint, the best receiving core in the country. Jerry Judy is maybe the best receiver in the country. Uh, he's a Bolitnikoff uh, candidate, a strong candidate, uh, and just a, an outstanding player. He he leads the, the list of a very, very impressive group of receivers. Um, you know, Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, I mean, they really can line up and create mismatch problems uh, better than anybody in the SEC. And of course, with their trigger man, it gives them a lot of um, a lot of ways to attack you in the passing game. We talked about it yesterday, about the need to become a little bit more physical in the running game, but it does not mean that they're not going to throw the football a lot and take advantage of people having to overplay the run. That's, that's the, the top receiving core, and it's not really that close in the SEC. I do think Florida's Receiving uh, core is one of the top five in the nation. Um, and that gives you a little bit of how good Alabama's is. Again, Florida would be top five in the nation, in my view. Their top seven pass catchers return from last year. Ben Jefferson is a steady guy. Trevon Grimes is really good in the red zone. Kadarius Tony has got versatility. Tyree Cleveland. It's a very good group of receivers. No question about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. I think it's a it's a it's a very good group. I think LSU's group is pretty solid, and we'll see what they can do with Joe Burrow and um, you know Brady coming in and, and uh, working uh, a little bit of uh, tinkering with the passing game a little bit. Uh, they weren't very good last year. They haven't been very good um, uh, for the past several years. However, Dave, they finished in the top seventy in the nation in the passing game, which is about. 20 spots better than they were in 2017. So we'll see what they can do. Justin Jefferson is very underrated, I think, and he leads a very good receiving core. That would kind of lead us off with the top three. Surprisingly to some, Vanderbilt. We talked about Kalijah Lidscomb. Um, it's, I think, the best receiver in the SEC that nobody really knows or talks about. I think he's really, really good. Now, also, I throw in 
the tight ends as it relates in the passing game in this group. So Jared Pinckney is another uh, another good um, uh, 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 player, no question about it. I think South Carolina with Brian Edwards probably would be in that next uh, tier, and then I think I would go with Auburn. Um, then I think I would go with Missouri and Georgia. Georgia's replacing a lot of guys. Uh, I would say the Georgia fans that this receiving core of Georgia's will be ranked higher in November than they are now. They just don't have as much experience, but they've got more overall talent, depth, speed than Vanderbilt and South Carolina and even Auburn and Missouri. A&M is trying to rebuild their receiving core, really getting good and young at tight end. I think Kentucky and Ole Miss and Mississippi State um, would kind of be next, and I think the bottom tier would be Tennessee and Arkansas. Um, But let me say this. A couple of guys that I think are really – uh, worth mentioning. Uh, we talked about Albert O from Missouri, the tight end. Uh, it's what makes t- uh, Missouri's group a little bit better. Um, that is maybe we talked about the best receiver in Kalijah Lipscomb that nobody talks about in the SEC. Maybe the tight end, definitely that that people don't talk about in the the SEC, and maybe even nationally. Um, Albert O is really, really good uh, at, at Missouri. So that's kind of how I see him again. Alabama, Florida, LSU, particularly Alabama, Florida, top five in the country overall receiving cores. Um, I think LSU is a top 10 group. Then I think outside of that, you're looking at a mixture of, you know, with productivity, looking at Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Auburn, throwing the tight end. We all the tight ends are in there. So you put Missouri in that group. Georgia would rank below them right now. I expect them to rank higher than them and probably be fourth, if not third, by year's end. I think A&M will get a little bit better with their youth, but they're not there yet. Uh, and then I'll put Kentucky, both the Mississippi schools, and then Tennessee, Arkansas bringing up the rear at this point going into the season for the receiving court. In terms of Alabama, let me follow up with this. <clears throat> as far as their, their group, where could it rank if everybody reaches their potential as far as a, a group of receivers that, uh, that you've covered in, in recent memory? Well, I think we've seen Clemson have a really dominant group in, in a number of them, but they've been staggered a little bit. They've usually had, you know, one guy cycle in and out. Um, it is definitely one of the best uh, receiving cores I've seen in at least a decade. Uh, in terms of depth, in terms of quality, I mean, you're talking about Judy is outstanding, is a, here's the definition of a number one receiver. I always get this, and this applies in college, it applies in the NFL. People think the number, hey, this guy is their number one receiver. They're, well, the best receiver on the team may be, quote unquote, in the fans' eyes, the number one receiver. That doesn't mean they're a number one receiver. The definition in a, in a coaching vernacular, in a scouting vernacular, a number one receiver is a guy that dictates coverage. That means that you have to really overplay that guy or he's going to beat you one-on-one. Alabama's got a number one receiver in Judy. They've got a number one receiver in Ruggs. Um, absolutely without question that they do. Devontae Smith would be, and Jalen Waddle would be kind of 1A, high twos, and really in their own right, 
if you don't shade him, you're in trouble. And if you have time to throw. So when you're talking about having more than one true number one receiver that dictates coverage, and you could possibly go into as many as four, that's a pretty salty group. So they're fast. They're great with the ball in the air. They're great after the catch. Um, they've got speed and quickness. Um, they, this group doesn't have the dominant post-up, you know, 6'4 type guy. But, man, can they make you miss. And that's going to be difficult. So keep that in mind. And this is a peek into kind of defensive, you know, football and how you have to defend. If you have to defend an improved physical running attack and you have to put an extra guy in the box, how are you going to cheat enough guys over to cover those receivers? That's that's the dilemma that you have to to face when you're placing – uh, playing a, a, a team, an offense like this. And, of course, if you got a quarterback that can get the ball to them, and they do as good as anybody, that, that's the dilemma. This offense at Alabama could, Dave, could be better than any offense that uh, certainly Alabama's ever seen. Better than last year. Now, people will look at it and say the numbers in the regular season. Remember we talked about it yesterday. If if they don't score 50 points a game, people are going to say, oh, it's not as good. If they're able to get back that physicality and score 30 points a game, this will be the best offense that Alabama's ever had because the combination of being able to do that and have the playmaking ability will be very, very difficult to touch. Let's get to some news and notes. LSU gets a verbal commitment from a four-star cornerback, Major Burns. Fantastic name. Yeah, really. Yeah, he really is. He was committed to A&M in early February, but backed off. Tough loss for the Aggies. He took visits to Florida and Oklahoma. Really good length. Boy, he looks like a, an LSU corner. I think they sold him on that. He's a Baton Rouge native. He's a top, you know, uh, 100 to 150 player uh, in this overall in this 2020 class. So this is a good get for them. And Really think it puts LSU only trailing behind Clemson and Alabama in terms of commitments to this point. Um, I think they only trail trail those two in terms of the best classes in the country. Ways to go, but it's really, really good. And in terms of um, when we continue with news and notes, uh, Louisville redshirt freshman defensive lineman Alan Love transferred to Mississippi State. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I wanted to put him on the radar for Mississippi State fans. You're not going to see him this year. He's going to have to sit out. But this kid's a pretty solid player. He's a true freshman. You know, he didn't, you know, jump on out at, at you on film at Louisville, but he's a good player. Uh, I think in time to develop, he's 6'2", he's uh, 285, He'll get a little stronger. He's a good player that I think will add to their defensive front, not this year, but um, in the 2021, so uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted. But, you know, solid player that's a good rotational defensive lineman for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And then more transfer news. I'm going to bounce back to LSU for a second. What do you make of wide receiver Jonathan Giles entering his name into the NCAA transfer portal? Well, we just talked about their receiving core. It's very good. It's, it's going to have a lot of potential. Uh, and Jonathan Giles obviously came over from Texas Tech. Um, the last year he was going to, you know, be a guy that was going to have a lot of impact. Um, it just hadn't quite worked out for him. And I think that's the reason I, I don't know if it's definite. We always have to put it as, Hey, he's leaving for now, but 
Um, if you look at it, uh, Stephen Sullivan, Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, Derek Dillon, um, they're all really, really good. And, and of course, you've got Jefferson. So I think it's a, simply a numbers game, and I think he's looking for a place to play. That's the reason behind it. Yep, I can understand that. Let's go around the country for a moment. Uh, go to West Virginia redshirt sophomore safety Eugene. E.J. Brown entered his name into the transfer portal. I don't think that's a huge surprise that you would have some guys who would be ready to jump ship with a coaching change. What do you make of this potential loss? Well, the surprise is that he's the third safety from West Virginia this week to enter into the transfer portal. Yeah. So, um, you know, Kenny Robinson and Derek Pitt. So here's what this tells me. These guys don't fit their scheme. And so they're moving on from them. But boy, this is going to be a huge gap because, you know, fitting this uh, for Neil is uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough. But that's the storyline, you know, solid player. But, you know, he's from Mountain Georgia. Um, you know, th the news in and of itself is not huge, except that he's the third guy this week uh, to be head at the, from the safety position from one school. That uh, that has to be a record, although I can't confirm it. Yeah, I will go with you and say that's a record. Three safeties in a week. More of your Locked On SEC football podcast. Don't forget to go to Twillery, twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code, and you can get $25 off some fantastic shirts. Free shipping, free returns, the whole nine yards. So why not try out Twillery? A recruiting report coming up next. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And it is time for a recruiting report, and we've got news on Kevin Billingsley, a four-star defensive lineman, the top six. Yeah, he is. He's a really good-looking player. He's 6'4", 275. He's from East St. Louis, Illinois, and... I think he's headed to, to Missouri. I, I think it's it's going to be a surprise. He wants to stay close to home. He went to their junior day, really went to their spring game. But just to give you an idea what type of player he is, just on film, he really jumps out at you with first step quickness. Um, he's got he really can move his hands and feet at the same time. He plays with good leverage and bend. Um, Alabama wants him. Georgia wants him. LSU wants him. Um, Illinois and Missouri are the closest schools geographically. Um, you know, Illinois is in it to some degree, but this is a big, big time Missouri lean. So great for the Missouri. They don't get uh, an opportunity to basically get kids away from Alabama and Georgia's of the world. Uh, they have to develop them a little more. But this is one of those guys that really should be a, I, in my mind, more of a five-star guy. A, a blue, he's a blue-gray guy for us. At Landry football, Kevin, uh, Kevon Billingsley, uh, really good looking player for Mizzou. So we'll see if they can hold on to him. You, you know, Alabama, as you said yesterday has a way of, and Georgia does as well of convincing kids that, Hey, this, this is best for your future. Uh, and leaving close to home for three years, you know, is maybe the better way to go. But right now he's headed to Mizzou. <clears throat> okay. I uh, look forward to seeing how he develops, uh, Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee have landed official visits from Quindarius Robinson, uh, a linebacker, four-star guy. 
Like this kid, I think he's going to be a down guy eventually. He's just under 220 pounds, but he's got a really lean frame, 6'5". He can, I think those broad shoulders can fill out. Uh, really like, uh, you know, um, the, the chances of him going to Alabama. That's where he's definitely favored. But um, I think Auburn's got a really good shot. Kentucky and Tennessee, as you mentioned, are going to get official visits from them. But this is an old-fashioned Alabama-Auburn rivalry, and and I think it's going to be something that Auburn's going to have to overcome. He's from Birmingham. He's one of the top 30 prospects overall in the 2020 class. I think he's another guy that's a that's a blue-grade, a, a five-star talent. Um, I'm thinking Alabama here, and, and Auburn's got to kind of come from behind to pull this out. And uh, we'll see. We'll see again um, how maybe things go with Kentucky and Tennessee. But I think they're definitely long shots. And then Mississippi State with a commitment from cornerback Cameron Threat. Yeah, he's really good player. Good get for them. He's five eleven. He's one hundred sixty five. He's got to fill out a little bit more, um, you know. But he's committed to Mississippi State. A little bit nervous, I guess. But it is pretty common today, Dave. These kids will commit because it's so early. But then. They go on other visits. He's going to visit Ole Miss and Memphis this weekend. Obviously, make it a jaunt where you can kind of hit them both. Um, he's a good player, but he's a little bit undersized. Therefore, the Memphises and the Louisvilles of the world are interested. He's from Olive Branch. Uh, he hadn't been offered by Ole Miss yet. I expect that to change this weekend. I think they're going to give him an offer. He's a good player. The more you study him on tape, uh, he's really good. He's a top 20 player in the state, and it's somebody that I think uh, Ole Miss needs to get on. We'll see if the early offer and the early commitment by Mississippi State holds up on him. I know this is going to be a stunner for our listeners, but uh, a five-star linebacker will take an official visit to Alabama. Uh, yeah. I'm, that happens pretty <laughs> yeah. often. Yeah, I hope you're sitting down out there. Uh, and and uh, be, if you're driving, you have two hands on the wheel. Uh, he's got an official visit lined up to Georgia. He's a, a, a just a expre- extremely talented guy. Uh, he's going to come in, I believe, for the Southern Miss game. It appears um, this is he's from Upland, California. Uh, the USC's of the world want him. Clemson wants him. LSU's uh, with edge edge com- uh, connections there. Uh, Oregon's in on him, and Mario Cristobal, Miami's trying to get in on him. He is really listen. He's one of the top five players in the class overall one of the top five players in the class of 2020, one of the few that haven't committed. Um, I think that Alabama's, you know, maybe a little bit behind on some of, um, you know, the recruiting of, not the recruiting of them, but at least in his interest level, I think Alabama's gaining ground is what I want to say on some others. We'll see how much ground. Uh, Obviously their history with linebackers are great. In Tuscaloosa, so Justin Flo will keep you up to date on where this guy's going. It looks like he's not going. He's going to take his visits, and we're going to see probably it's probably going to be some point. Um, you know, if, if I'm not even sure he's going to sign in December, it may be you know a February uh, deal. But we'll keep an up uh, an update. This kid's special. He's a big time playmaker um, as a rusher, as a blitzer. He's really good in pursuit. Um, he's very good at uh, scraping and filling versus the run. Really good looking linebacker is Justin Flo from Upland, California. Man, it is just not really good looking, you know, for uh, if the, in, with USC situation. It just there's this ought to be loaded with with Pac-12 schools. 
and outside of USC and Oregon, I mean, the kids, the kids looking elsewhere. You always have to worry about those kids, though, that are California kids. In the end, particularly, you know where I'm going with this. If USC makes a coaching change, you kind of, I can kind of sense that that can be flipped for him to maybe look at USC in a different light than he's looking at them now. But um, Alabama and Clemson right now would definitely be the favorites. Coming up, I'm looking forward to this. A scouting spotlight. Chris will compare Alabama and Georgia's overall talent position by position. So they're pretty talented. I, I don't know how uh, Chris is able to, to, to break it down and pick between the two because uh, they're both very talented. So looking forward to his thoughts on that. We'll also have the mailbag. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC football podcast. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It's time for your Scout Spotlight with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Chris has been a, a coach. He's been an executive and a scout at the NFL level, college as well. So you need to go to LandryFootball.com and check them out because they do a fantastic job of covering football from the high school to the NFL level. Uh, comparing Alabama and Georgia's overall talent position by position, I'm I'm excited to hear what you think about that. This seems like a, a bit of a, a tough task to uh, to accomplish because they're both very talented. What do you think? Yeah, and and really doing it kind of off the top of my head here with just an overall look. You know, you hear this a lot. Well, um. Georgia's got as much talent as Alabama, yada, yada, yada. And, and there's a lot of truth to that if you're just looking at numbers. You know, people just look at star ratings and this and that. And that's really not, you know, a, a, a prudent way to look at it. You got to look at how guys fit the system and where they are depth-wise, um, frontline starter-wise, and look at each position. So, you know, I thought we'd spend a little time. I mean, you know, briefly, obviously, we've got a lot of positions to go to. But we'll kind of look at how each stack up. At each position, I think quarterbacks are, are very comparable. Um, probably give Alabama a little bit of an edge depth-wise, but starter-wise, I think it's pretty close. Um, and probably maybe would give, you know, to a slight edge over from. But we're talking about uh, the quarterbacks being, you know, almost inseparable in terms of quality. They're very good. They're different, and they're different styles but they're very good, and I don't think either takes a backseat to the other. Now, running backs, I think same thing. Maybe give Georgia a slight edge over Alabama, but, I mean, really, uh, you just, you're talking about uh, A-plus and A. or I mean, it's just uh, you're looking at a great group of guys uh, in both places. In, in fact, I think they're, they're two of the best in the country. So I think it we're pretty much at a wash at the quarterback and running back position. I think where there's a separation and we talked about it earlier in this podcast, we talked about the receivers. I think Alabama's got right now a better receiving core than Georgia. And I, I think it's by, you know, a, a pretty decent margin. Now with that said, I think Georgia's got some young guys that I think that's going to make that group really good by the end of the year and maybe close the gap. But Catch the gap, uh, Alabama would have to have a, a number of unfortunate injuries because I think they're quite a bit ahead. And I'm talking at the um, the receiver position, the tight end position as well. I would mix that in a little bit closer, Georgia is, to Alabama there, but not so much. Now, offensive line, again, 
elite groups, Georgia may have the best offensive line in the country. Um, if you look at Alabama's offensive line, I, I, I think they're a top five offensive line. Not that big of a gap. I think Georgia's maybe got maybe a tad more depth in terms of guys that can fit into the rotation this year. But overall, looking at the overall roster, pretty close. But I'd give Georgia an edge there. Um, I'd rank them certainly in the, in the league um, one and two with, with Georgia ahead. Now, looking at the defensive line, I'd give Alabama a little bit of an edge here. Um, but Georgia is very, very good, uh, obviously very, very good. Um, and, and not that far behind, although I think that Alabama's got more depth and it's the one area that Georgia, while they've had a lot of talent that they haven't recruited quite as well as Alabama does. So I'd give Alabama a little bit, uh, an edge there at, uh, at defensive line at linebacker. I'd give Alabama the edge as well. I think that it's a really good group. Um, I think it's, you know, they just seem to cycle guys in, play behind one another, and they're ready to go the next year. Georgia's not quite there yet. They're recruiting good guys. The development of guys are pretty good, but there's a little bit more of a gap when a top guy leaves and another guy comes in. So an edge there. In the secondary, I would definitely give an edge to Alabama as well. I think um, only LSU has a secondary that can match uh, Alabama in the SEC. Florida is close as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract that and say that you can throw LSU, Alabama, Florida, you know, throw a hat over those three, and those three secondaries can play as good as anybody in the country. But I think there's just a little bit of a gap. Georgia is good, really good but not quite to the level of where Alabama's is. Uh, special teams, I think it's really close. I would give Georgia an edge. I trust their field goal kicking a little bit more, but Alabama's a little bit more consistent in their coverage units. Um, I think Alabama's improving in their field goal kicking, but that seems to be shaky every year for them. In essence, it's pretty close. But if you listen closely what I said, Alabama's better. And defensively, they've got not just the talent, but the development of the talent. They, in terms of playmakers and depth of playmakers, Alabama's better on defense um, at every position. D-line, linebackers, and the secondary. I think that Georgia can absolutely go toe-to-toe with Alabama, even at quarterback at running back, and on the offensive line. Um, but I think Alabama's better at receiver. Um, there, there's, there's, there's not much doubt of that. So, listen, I, I think that Georgia, we've seen them on the field. You know, people will say, uh, well, Georgia's just as good as Alabama. Why do they think that, Dave? Well, they played Alabama to the hilt. And quite frankly, in two of the more fluky games I've seen, think about this. The backup quarterback at Alabama beat you twice now. That is really kind of fluky in some ways. And Georgia, in a lot of ways, really had Alabama beat, except they couldn't close the deal. So people think, well, they're just as talented, just as good as Alabama. They may be just as good as Alabama, but overall talent-wise, Alabama 
is a little more talented. They're a little bit ahead. Uh, and, and when I looked at it, and I overall just thought, hey, they can go toe-to-toe. Georgia's with Alabama. When I studied a little bit closer, grade for grade, player for player, Alabama's still a little bit ahead. In fact, you might say on the field that you think Alabama might win maybe by you know a touchdown 10 points against Georgia, yet Georgia played Alabama toe-to-toe. So it's something, it's food for fodder. We'll see if, you know, quote-unquote, that's the thing. Well, Kirby couldn't close the deal. They had him beat. So automatically people think if you got somebody. And now we go to the mailbag. A question about quarterbacks. Who is the most underrated quarterback in the SEC? Well, you know, I think that if you look at the group, um, we all know who are the, the highly rated guys, highly thought of guys. So of the underrated guys, listen, underrated is a little bit of how you rate them and how you think of them. I would say a guy like Joe Burrow intrigues me the most because I think he's a winner. I think he's a tough guy. I don't think he's a a great passing talent, but he's got ability. I would say he's underrated. Uh, Maybe Felipe Franks deserves some mention because he's graded out better than I thought he would, and I give Dan Mullen a lot of credit for that because I don't think a great deal of them. But if you look at it, I mean, everybody else, I mean, Mississippi State's got a new young quarterback, Arkansas young. I mean, Vanderbilt, new guy. Auburn's going to have a new guy. Kentucky's going to have a new guy. There's really nobody else. I mean, you know, Terry Wilson, is he underrated? No. Is he talented athletically? Yes. Could he be potentially underrated by season's end? I would say that Joe Burrow is the guy that, is most capable of ascending and maybe playing at a level that might warrant some consider Kellen Mond, maybe another one under Jimbo Fisher. But th- maybe those two guys, along with Felipe Franks, would be the best candidates. Uh, Kelly Bryant is another guy that's going to be intriguing that's coming in with a new system. But I would vote Joe Burrow. There you go. That is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you on Monday.